understand that you're already here in this place. You're already moving in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you've noticed, but since when did COVID start? 2020-ish? Not that it really matters, but we all got a general idea. What's one of the major things that happened during that time that we, we are still talking and we're still suffering today? There's probably multiple things, by the way, so there's no wrong answer. They've got this counter. You've been there on the east side. They have a register here. And if you look over here, they have a lovely register over here. And the line is backed up to the door and backed up through the booths. And I'm like, can you imagine and guess how many people are running the registers? One. Praise the Lord. I'm like, what's the problem? Do they not have enough workers? Did the workload change? They seem to change. There's a problem in America right now where there just doesn't seem to be enough people to work anywhere. And when you drive around, what do you see at all the places of business? We're hiring. <laughs> the one place has got this goofy looking thing that's going like this. We're hiring. <laughs> But you know, this is nothing new. See, to me, it seemed new. Hey, COVID brought this on. All this stuff. And everybody's shifted their business model now. But the problem with not having enough workers is nothing new. If you brought your Bibles this morning, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 9 this morning. 35 through 38. We're going to read this. Out of the New Living Translation, it says, Jesus traveled through all towns and villages of that area. So he was checking out every Burger King, QB, and McDonald's along the way. He was teaching. What was he doing? Teaching. In the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And while he was doing that, get this. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they seem to be confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he turns to his disciples and he says this, the harvest is great, but man, there just aren't any workers. So disciples, pray to the Lord who is in charge of this harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. Dear God, we just pray right now that you would send more workers to QB. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about that. He's talking about the ministry that we have to be workers. See, that's why I dressed like this this morning in my T-shirt. And Lindsay's not here this morning, is she? I don't see her. Anyway, she made me this T-shirt when I said I wanted a T-shirt for this morning. And I wanted to say this on it. Can y'all see what that says? She asked me then to spell it, and I said, oh, my. I said, we better look that up. So Stacy looked it up because I said, it'd say regerts or whatever, you know. No, no regerts. I'd have it all spelled wrong. But it says reconciler. And I know we've talked about this, and I know I've talked about it. And if you paid attention last week, Pastor Damien was talking about the work of the servant. And I told God I don't want to preach about this again. I've already preached about it twice. And he says, no, you're going to preach about it. And you know what? He's preaching to me. So I want you to hear one thing about this this morning is that I'm not preaching at you this morning. I'm preaching to myself along with y'all. Hopefully you can relate. Amen. But let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5. For the longest time, you guys know this testimony about me. When I would visit my grandmother's house down in southern Ohio. Amen. Where it's actually hilly. Right. Unlike here, Rocky. 
there's actually things called hills down there. I'd go down the hill, down to the bottom of this hill, and there's this great big expanse of woods. And I'd begin to do something. Now, don't make fun of me, all you young people. I would grab this tape recorder. Do y'all know what a tape recorder is? It's like a little cassette thing, and then you put it in there and shut it. You can record, and you can hear yourself again. It's a pretty cool device. Anyway, I would take that tape recorder down there, and I would preach to the trees. And I'd listen to that back, and I'm like, man, I'm a terrible preacher. I don't even sound good. I hated listening to my voice. I still do. can't stand it. Like, God, why would you... Why did you call me to be a preacher? But all those years from a little kid when I was preaching at the trees, I'd be like, when am I going to get released into my ministry? I kept wondering, when am I going to get released into my ministry? The thing I didn't understand as a little kid, I already was. See, you're thinking about just the ministry of a pastor. But I'm talking to you today about something that we all share in the same thing in and would solve the problem that we have. If I would have just learned this a little sooner. God, thank you for your patience. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. We're going to read through this. So, from now on, we, guard, we regard no one from a human point of view according to worldly standards and values. This one here is so important. We got the right one. Right version? I'm sorry. I'm reading from the Amplified. So if it doesn't read quite the same, you'll get the gist of it. I'm going to read that first part again. So from now on. So from now on, if you're saved and you have the heart of Jesus, we regard no one from a what? Human point of view. Have you ever looked at somebody? Have you ever looked at somebody and make an assumption? I have done it. Thank you all for telling the truth. I have done it. I have looked upon people and made stark judgments based on how they looked, what they wore, what they drive, what they say, how they talk, if they've got tattoos. Sorry, down there so you can't see mine. So you don't make a judgment. But I would make judgments. But the Bible says we don't do that anymore. When we're new creations in Christ, we don't do that anymore. Though we have known Christ from a human point of view, now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ that is grafted in and joined to him by what? Faith in him as Savior, you are a new creation. You've been reborn and renewed, just like what happened in this baptismal water this morning. You are renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, previous things, have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. And because of this, spiritual awakening brings a new life as well. But all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself. Now, this is where Jim didn't take great notes. And I'm going to get this all messed up. I'll be right back. So... What does this word reconcile even mean? Listen this morning. Listen. How do you think I found it out? Y'all, you're all scaring me this morning. Just so quiet and prim and proper. Maybe I should just stand up there and put my suit jacket back on. Where do you think I looked this word up at? Webster's Dictionary. Noah Webster, because he was a Christian, right? So this is what the word reconcile means. It means to conciliate anew, to call back into union and friendship the affections which have been alienated. To conciliate, conciliate means to, to dismiss the anger. You see, when we're not in Christ, he's a little angry with us because we're what? Sinners, right? Does God like sin? Oh, he's gracious and he's merciful, but there's still an anger there against sin. And God has rut, he's reconciled us to himself. Remember.
Remember that, right? The anger is gone. It's been appeased by his blood. Amen. But he's called us back into union and, and friendship with that which we've been alienated. Where do you think that happened at? In the garden, right? When sin entered the world, we were alienated from God. We were separated. And Jesus made a new way, right? That's when we began the process of reconciliation, when Jesus did the work of the cross. So let's go back to the scripture. But all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Listen, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I didn't give it to you. Look at your neighbor right now. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, you didn't give it to me. Jesus gave it to me. Can we all agree on at least that one point this morning? That Jesus gave you, 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 and all of you in this room a ministry. I didn't do it. It's Jesus that gave you. He gave you this ministry. 19 says... Actually, the, the Amplified expounds upon that, and it says that we might bring others to him, which I love that part that doesn't say in a lot of the other translations. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, but canceling them out. And he has committed to us, to who? Us? Or you? you are you and us? then don't exclude yourself. That's why I kept saying that. You, you, you're in us. I'm in us this morning, right? He's committed to you the message of reconciliation. That is restoration to the favor with God. So we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. That should blow your mind this morning. God wants to make his appeal to other people through Teacher Angie. He wants to make his appeal through media guru and photographer Gabe Taviano. To you guys. He wants to make his appeal. But what's the one thing that we do all the time? What's the one thing that Jim does all the time? I try to figure out a way to disqualify myself from that calling. Well, God, you just don't know me. You just don't know me well enough to know. Like, do you remember what I did back there? I'm not qualified to do that. Anybody else ever had that happen? Where you get those thoughts in your mind? wonder why we do that. But we're ambassadors for Christ. We'll come back to that in a minute. As though God were making his appeal through us. Man, I hope this scripture, I know we've read it a hundred times. But I pray, God, that the revelation, your revelation wind blow on, on the scripture right now. That he wants to make his appeal through us. That we plead with you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled back to God. He made Christ who knew no sin to be sin. So he's paid a price for this ministry that he gave you. He made him that didn't know any sin to be sin so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. You know, my brother was talking about how excited he was and we had a little conversation this morning. But man, think about that this morning. The God of the universe who spoke this whole thing into existence had this plan. And the plan didn't quite work out, man. Or did it? In our eyes, we look like Adam and Eve made this great mistake, and they did. They did the one thing in disobedience that God said not to do. They were disobedient, and that disobedience brought separation. Anybody here got something that you really care about? Maybe it's sitting next to you. I don't know. Maybe you drove it here this morning. Maybe you like your car. 
whatever. But God gave the one thing. His sidekick. So that the thing that separated us, we could have a way back to him. Man, that blows my mind. That God saw such value in you guys. Such value in you guys. He's like, I want to use you as a conduit. Stop disqualifying yourself because of all the stuff that you did in your past. And accept what I've called you to. Are you surprised that I don't know what you did in the past? I knew the past before it even happened. That's what God says. He knows all. He's not surprised by what you did. But yet he says, I still want to use you. We got work to do. Time to put on your boots, people. I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but man. Help me stay on track, Jesus. These people are getting hungry about QP already and they want to go home. <laughs> Listen, we have work to do. And about, I don't know, five years ago, I was sitting with Pastor Damien in a little coffee house in Cleveland, Ohio, and we were reading this ginormous book. And I'm not even kidding. It was just, you know, me and reading this thing was like this thick and the print was like that small. And the best, no, I shouldn't say that. The best thing at the moment when we started was the coffee. I'm not even going to lie. Just got to be real. But we got into this book, right? And we started reading this book about leadership and stuff. And after we read it, I began to notice some things inside of myself that the prevailing culture had leached its way inside of me. Because we've, in the prevailing church today, there's this, at least in a lot of them, and inside of me, there's come this thing, this consumption, this consumer mentality, where we want to come to church on Sunday morning. Don't get mad at me. I'm glad that you're all here. But we come to church on Sunday morning and we want to eat, right? We want to eat the word of God. And man, it's good. Hopefully it's good, right? When Pastor Damien preaches, it's good. And I mull that thing over during the week and I think about the words that he said and it just provides nutrition to me. But then I feel good about it. I went to church Sunday. Put a little notch on my belt like I did something good for God. And if, and if I'm feeling real savvy... Come to church on Wednesday. Woo! Twice in seven days. What? I'm feeling real good. I got another notch. And even got my work knife to put my notch on there this morning. Y'all see that? My little pocket knife so I can notch my belt. But we just keep coming and we keep eating and we keep consuming. And that's good. But what would happen? Any. I know Dawn, wherever she went, I know she, she doesn't like buffets. <laughs> she has this phobia about the buffets. But put us maybe how you feel, and maybe you go to a buffet, and it's the cleanest buffet you've ever seen in the world, right? I mean, it's, you wouldn't be afraid to eat off the floor in this place, right? Let's just imagine that for a minute. There's all this food. But what, ha what would happen if all we did was sit there and live at that buffet? All we did was eat, eat, take a break, eat some more. I didn't think I made it down. Is that a chocolate fountain over there? Do you, strawberries? Are you kidding me? Listen to me, I've been to Golden Crow and you stick that thing in there and you load up everything over there with chocolate. Amazing. And you just eat and eat. What happens, Kawa? <laughs> you gain some weight. Do you feel good after that? If you just sit there and eat. If all we do, we're not, we're not doing anything else. Kind of picking on my brother right here. I'll let him tell a story. Go see him after church about a story about one of his times. I hope he doesn't hate me for this. Thanks for being a friend, brother. Love you. But we would all feel miserable if that's all we did. That's all we did because why our bodies aren't designed that way. We eat food. Food gives us what? Energy to do what? To work, to give you strength, to do the things that you need to do. But if we stop that process and all we do is eat, 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 what happens? 
Well, let's, just for the sake of kicking giggles, what if all we did was just work out and we never ate? Would that work? That doesn't work. Listen, man, before COVID started, I mean, you see this, right? You see this. It is what it is, but I thought, I'm going to work out. I joined the Y. I went up there, and I was faithful, y'all. I was faithful. Three, four times a week, I was up there. I was so excited, so proud. I got my wife to join. I'm like, we're doing this thing. Jim is going to become Jim. I'm like, I'm going to get buff. I am going to get buff. Listen, I did that for almost a year before COVID hit. And the problem was, is I spent a whole year up there, a whole year. And that last time I remember being there and I looked in the mirror, I'm like, God, this doesn't look much different than the day I started. <laughs> I begin to waver. But my point is, if all we did was work out and we didn't eat, I wouldn't have the strength then. Eventually, I'd get so tired and wore out. That I couldn't work. Do you see the balance that God is showing us in this picture? This time is important. But like pastor says, this is like halftime. And we're in the locker room. We're coaching you up. Your spiritual plan. But the rest of the week is on you. The rest of the time is to encourage yourself in the word. But then you got to do something with the word that's been given. What are we doing? Man, we got this big old purple banner. We love God and each other, and we're led by his spirit. And we're buffet, buffet eaters of his word. No, that's not what it says. We're doers. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So when we come here and we do what we do with Compel on Wednesday night, it doesn't put a notch on our belt to get us to heaven. And I'm going to get fired over this next comment. So I love you all. It's been great knowing you. But you, you can get to heaven and not come on one Wednesday night. But you weren't designed for that. That's not what you were designed. God said, I gave you a ministry. And what are you doing with it? It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to sit in church all the time and listen to pretty good singing and pretty good preaching. It's not what it says in mine. And listen, I'm not here to condemn you this morning because who am I preaching to? So if you're feeling condemned right now, Satan, I rebuke you right now in the name of Jesus. And if you're doing this stuff already, then I applaud you. And in a moment, we're gonna call on you because this, this is a scriptural thing that if you're already doing this, you've got an obligation to help encourage us to do it. I'm gonna read that from the word here in a minute. But back to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves, it's a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Anybody want to read that last part then? Nobody? Okay, I'll do it. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before the foundation of the world, God already had work for you to do. God wants to use you. He wants to use me as a divine conduit that his Holy Spirit can flow through. And there's people that are attached to your ministry. That God, before the foundation of the world, said, I want to, want to use you for this purpose. And one thing that I love about Elder Eric, I love about him, is this testimony that we hear so much some of you might hear it like, oh man, there he goes telling that testimony again. But brother, don't you ever stop sharing it because I love it. But one thing he testifies about all the time is how he's always running into other people that he used to know back in the day. 
Anybody got some of them friends that you used to be friends with a while ago, but maybe you've kind of lost your way? But what I love, what they say about Elder Eric is, Chuck, <laughs> that's what they call him, I guess, Chuck. I don't call him Chuck. Maybe I should start. I don't know. I have to ask him. Chuck, I heard about you. I heard you're going to church. I heard you got saved. I heard you're a minister. And he just smiles and well, praise God. It's true. Let me tell you, you know who I used to be. I don't do that anymore. But let me tell you one other thing. This isn't anything I boast about. But let me tell you about the God that did it for me. That's Elder Chuck, right? This is what we're talking about, good work. That's part of the good work. But do you understand God had work for you to do before the foundations of, of the world? That should be one of those things that blows your mind. But do you remember when I told you that if you're already doing this, that you're doing such an amazing job, you have a responsibility. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope which we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Amen? Amen. So let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So if you're already doing this, then help motivate us. Help motivate us to love and help motivate us to do good works. We know the scripture because we often quote this one at the end of it in verse 25. It says, let us not neglect then our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I want to share something with you. And uh, I don't know how many of you pay attention and it doesn't really matter, but once in a while when I'm Standing up there, God just gives me a prophetic word. And a couple months ago, he gave me a prophetic word that came from the pulpit that the spirit of promotion was being released into our congregation. And I believe the kingdom too, but most specifically that day, he was speaking to us. Sounds pretty good, right? Who doesn't like a promotion, right? Especially if it comes with a great pay raise, right? We all like that. I don't think you would mind if your employer said, hey, I'm going to promote you, and by the way, here's $10 more an hour. That'd be sweet. All right, if they do that, let me know, and let me know where you work, right, because I want a job. <laughs> but the word came forth that day that the spirit of promotion was upon us, and the other day I was praying about that on my way to work, and God said, you remember that word that I gave you? I'm like, yeah, I remember, God. I, I don't know what it all means. But God, just do whatever you intended through that word. And he said, I need you to say something else about that word. With great promotion comes great warfare. And there's been some fight going on in your guys' lives to keep you from your promotion, to keep you from the work that he called you to do. And... Uh, this devil that is leashed into this world is so cunning and he's so tricky. And he has this way of doing things. And I want to, this isn't my show and tell this morning. And I always do that. I throw my papers on the thing and they all get mixed up. Great. It's awesome. I need a volunteer though. Who wants to volunteer? Anybody? Kind of got to be big. It, it would be helpful if you were big. I don't know. I'll take you. Yeah, just stop right there and just all you got to do is stand right there. Amen. Let's give our, that is a good looking jacket, by the way. Woo. That's a good looking jacket. What size is it? All right. I need one more, one more volunteer. Who wants a volunteer to come up here and stand? I promise we will not hurt you. I'll try not to spit on you. Joey, perfect. Okay, thank you. So all you got to do is just stand there in your beautiful self and Look at that distinguished gentleman in the back and focus your eyes. Now, would we all agree right now that our brother in the back is bigger than this piece of paper? 
<laughs> Not a problem. I, I just need to make sure this is page one. All right. Now, since I did that, I folded it in half. Would you all still agree that he's bigger? No, this isn't a magic trick. We don't do magic in church. Don't, don't freak out on me. How about now? Is our brother in the back still bigger? Or is the piece of paper bigger? Now, well, let's make sure, because make sure there's no, like, Jim's not doing any weird stuff to confuse you guys and get anything out of hand. But, I mean, I would say that, man, that's tiny. Like, like a necklace for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now for the sake of this illustration, our brother is God. Nice. How you doing, Joey? You ever gone through some stuff in your life? Hard stuff? Yeah, like everything's real to us. The devil has this uncanny way. Super uncanny way of shifting our perspective. To get you forget about what the truth is and what's real. You all disagree that that brother who is now, for the sake of this illustration, is God is bigger than this piece of paper. For now, this piece of paper represents one of the hardest things that you ever went through in your life. Right? Is it really that big as you look upon it in comparison to God? God's still big, right? The same God that said, before the foundation of the work, I have good works that I've called you to do and have ordained them before the foundations of the world. But now you're going through some hard stuff, right? Right? How hard is that hard stuff getting, right? Is it really bigger, though? Can you see God right now? But is the paper bigger? The paper isn't any bigger, is it? Is God still big? Well, what's the problem? The focus. Man, isn't the that the way the devil works all the time? Now, all I want you to do is start backing up, back away from your problem. What about now? Hmm. Come closer. Just make sure there's nothing funny going on here. How about now? What if you... Put your problem in the perspective of where God really sees it and move beyond your problem. What about now? How big is that problem? What are you doing? You know you ain't supposed to do that. You a Christian. What's wrong with you? We don't know. You remember the story in the Bible about the person that looked back? Be careful now. What about now? Do you see what the enemy does? Thank you guys, by the way. Let's give them a hand. I'm telling you today that, listen, the devil does this to me all the time, guys, all the time, trying to put this little thing, this scene, and it gets so ginormous, and I forget about the truth of who God is and the reality of what he says he is inside of me. I lose sight of the authority because this thing seems so real when it is so minuscule. It's so minuscule. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not dismissing our problems and that they're not real because they're very real. But so is God when he declares that he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. But this is nothing but a trick to keep you from the ministry of reconciliation that he's called each of us to do. We've got to stop just consuming the word. And we've got to start working and doing what the word of God declares. Amen? But man, I get tricked so easily. I'm embarrassed sometimes. God, thank you for your grace in my life. And shame on you, devil. Shame on you. We've got to keep God in perspective. But you have to also understand that I wasn't called just to eat the word and keep consuming and this consumer mentality but there's something in the spiritual DNA that's designed that you were created to consume the word in relationship with God and then to work it out. 
wonder why they call it a workout. I don't like working out. I'm not going to lie. Not one time when I went to the Y for that whole year was I excited about it. I'd walk out onto the track and I'd see the faces of those people running and they look miserable. Every one of them. Not one of them looked happy to be there. And you get into the gym and you see those guys and they're grunting. You know why they're grunting? Because it hurts. It's doing something. You'll be glad you did tomorrow. No, it hurts more tomorrow. You lied. Oh, man. I'm not, I look at Damien sometimes when I sit with you guys. And I look up there and just be real. I'm listening. I really am. And I, I've got my notes out on the church app. And I'm like, dude, your arms are huge. They're bigger than my legs. But that's what happens spiritually. When you consume and you work out, you get bigger. Because that's the spiritual DNA that's been established inside of us. And that's what you've been called to do. Now listen, I've never been one about church growth and big churches and mega churches. I don't think that there's anything wrong with them, by the way. I'm not saying one thing about them. I'm just saying, God, you do whatever you want to do here. Whatever it is that you want to do in this place, then Holy Spirit, you do it. But Pastor Damien mentioned something last week that's been stirring in my spirit. I've been trying to tell you guys, what if we were all working in the ministry that God has called us to? And if you're already doing it, what if you were helping to encourage those of us that maybe struggle a little bit in that ministry? Is there anybody here that sometimes struggles? What does that look like? What do I do? You see my hand still raised. My hand's raised. But this is where the Holy Spirit becomes so important in this ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to share this story, and then we're going to begin winding down. All of you know that I, whether you like him or don't like him, I'm not here to debate it, but I'm a big Todd White fan. And Todd White has this story that just, like, has propelled me, compelled me, whatever word you want to put in there, to listen to the Holy Spirit to be about the ministry of reconciliation. Todd was at a conference. It was in the morning. He woke up. He was staying at a hotel. He wanted to get some food. So if you guys know Todd, he likes to go to Whole Foods. There happened to be one close by. So he gets in his car and he goes to Whole Foods. He's going to grab some food for the morning and the afternoon and have his quiet time. And he has kind of like his day already kind of planned out a little bit. While he's on his way to Whole Foods, there's this really cool store. Any musicians in the building other than myself? You like music? Well, there's this great little place called Guitar Center. And he's driving by, and he hears the Holy Spirit say, go to Guitar Center. And Todd says, I don't need anything at Guitar Center right now. He's still driving. Go to Guitar Center. I still don't need anything. He keeps going. Doesn't stop. Goes to Whole Foods. Gets all the wonderful food that he wanted for the day. Puts them in the bags. Loads them in the car. Gets back in the car. Guess what's on the route? On the way back to the hotel. Guitar Center. Now, I'm just going to say that if Holy Spirit ever tells me to stop at Guitar Center, there will be no fight. I'd be just like, honey, Holy Spirit said so. We're stopping. She would then clinch her purse and say, okay. Anyway, Brother Todd, here's the Holy Spirit, go to Guitar Center. So he stops fighting him and goes to Guitar Center. Goes into Guitar Center, doesn't feel anything. Nothing stands out to him like, God, why do you have me here? What am I, why do you even have me in this place? So he starts praying. God, I'm just praying to the Lord, show me, you know, whatever it is. He sees this cool kid sitting on a stool playing this killer guitar riff. And he's like, hmm, starts to walk over, and Holy Spirit says, nope, nope. There's another kid kind of standing over in a corner with his leg up on a guitar amp, and he's playing a guitar, and he's not even playing it that great. Holy Spirit says, yep, that's the one. 
go talk to him. So he's playing this really good tool, really good tool, really cool guitar. If you don't know anything about Guitar Center, they got a wall of guitars. And when you walk in and you walk up to that wall, all you hear is hallelujah, hallelujah. That's all you hear. That's all you hear. It's wonderful. But he starts talking to this kid. Kind of a super long story. He finds out that this kid's dad has passed away and he didn't have the greatest upbringing. And I mean, Todd just begins to minister him, minister to him and tell him how much God loves him, that he loves him. And this kid begins to get so excited. This kid gets saved in Guitar Center. Because Todd went out of his way from Whole Foods because he listened to what the Holy Spirit said. He gets saved. That would be an awesome story all by itself, right? Wouldn't it not? That's a cool story. However, the kid is so excited. He says, listen, my girlfriend and my mom are over at this other store. Would you come with me and let's go tell them about Jesus? I might have some of this story mixed up, but the gist of it is correct. So he does, and they fall in love with Jesus, and they get saved that day. The cool part of the story in the ending is they end up back at Guitar Center. I don't remember why. And the guitar that the kid was playing is back on the wall now. And they're all in Guitar Center, and the Holy Spirit tells Todd, he says, you buy that kid that guitar. Now, I don't know, because guitars range anywhere from 200 bucks to $6,000. Yeah, I said the same thing. Whoever said, wow. <laughs> I do not buy the $6,000 guitars because my fingers aren't worthy to play such a... But nonetheless, whatever it was, God told him to buy this kid a guitar. So he buys the guitar. And as he buys a guitar, his mom says, what you don't know is his dad had... A guitar just like that and they lost it and so basically he bought this kid a guitar that was just like the guitar that his dad had all because he listened to the Holy Spirit and he was willing to do the work of the ministry of reconciliation that we're all called to so my question before we started the story was what would it be like if we all or if Jim took that a little more seriously with a little bit more intentionality in our heart to say, God, every morning when I wake up, here I am. You know, when I hear that scripture, like, here I am, send me, Lord, I want to go to Africa. <laughs> Listen, if you know me, I love missions. My parents were missionaries. I've been on mission trips. I went to a missionary training school. But what if that here am I is just, God, here I am in this moment. Send me now. Where do you want to send me? Where do you want to send me? Maybe it is to Africa. But what if it's to Guitar Center? And would you go? And would you go if you already had part of your day planned out? You see, part of the trap of the enemy is... He wants us to getting to think that if we just have all this faith, if we're just constantly consuming, that that's a good thing. And eating is a good thing. But the Bible says what about faith and deeds? James 2 and 14 through 24 tells this whole story. And for the sake of time, I'm going to condense it. But faith without works don't mean a thing. If we've got all this faith inside these four walls, and that's all we ever do, what is it when we walk out there and we don't do anything with it? It's dead. Anything that I do in here and the time that we spend in here, guys, is so minuscule. Do you think you've got more time in here or do you have more time outside of these walls? That's simple math. You're going to spend way more time outside these walls than you ever will inside here. But will you be challenged this morning by the spirit of revelation to say, I got a job to do and I want to do it. Because though I'm not a big proponent of church growth plans. 
And there's a lot of them, and a lot of them are destructive. But if we simply do this, the kingdom will grow. And you notice one thing this morning, I didn't tell you one time, what I need you to do is to go out there and do this work and start inviting people to church. I never said that once. If Holy Spirit tells you to do it, then great. But what I'm asking you this morning is to do the work that he called you to and tell him about Jesus. Tell him about Jesus. Tell him what Jesus did for you. And you know what? You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But that doesn't disqualify me. He doesn't say in there, hey, you know what? If you've got everything together and your whole life's perfect then, Paul, go out and do this work. I don't think that's what it said. God will continue to walk with us through this ministry that he's called us to do and walk us into the place that he wants us to do all the while while using you as a conduit for his kingdom. And I want to leave you with this thought. Where would that kid be in Guitar Center if he'd never met Todd? Now listen, God's a great big God, and he can do whatever he needed to do if Todd was not obedient. And I understand that. But that day, he wanted to use Todd as a conduit to bring reconciliation of an angry God that was mad against that kid because he was living in sin and reconcile and tell Todd to basically tell him to come back to God because he loves you. He knows all the stuff you've done. He's seen all the drugs you did. I love you. See, I'm, I used to be an introvert and I still am sometimes and I'm a homebody. That's not a good combination. You know what that means? I don't like to talk to people, and I want to be at home. That doesn't sound like a good recipe for pastoring. But you know what? Remember the old things that we talked about early on in this message, that how they've all died? That's a natural state. And we no longer live in that as children of God. You are a new creation. And in that new creation, there is no such thing as introverted or extroverted in the spiritual realm. Now, don't get me wrong. My spirit man still has to fight my fleshly man. He wants to say, oh, I'm introverted and I don't want to talk to people. And that's embarrassing. And what will they think? And blah, blah, blah. My spirit man says, I don't care. I got work to do. And I want to do that work. Matthew 5. Hopefully we'll get out of here. How many are excited about this show and tell this morning? Woo. I was so excited about it. I should probably say I wouldn't be if I were you, though. I don't want you to get so excited. You'd be like, oh, my God. Oh. That's no big deal. <laughs> Matthew 5. It says, Pastor Damien is the light of the world. And that he is a city on a hilltop and he cannot be hidden. I mean, good night. Have you seen how big those arms are and how big that smile is? Can't hide that. It's not what it says. It says, you are the light of the world and you're like a city on a hilltop. And I know we've heard this a hundred times, but hear it this morning. That cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket or a bucket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand. What if God says, you're the lamp and I'm placing you on a stand? Where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Amen. Thank you. Any business owners in here? Anybody own their own business? Kyle, got another one? Couple, couple business owners in the building. You guys ever drive down the road, like 75, 
You see them really cool billboards things on the side of the road? You ever see a really nice one, though? Like one that's all lit up and got, like, flashy things. And I think somehow even some of them got ways that they can control. Like, it changes what it says from time to time or whatever. You ever seen those? Those are really cool. And I can only imagine they're ridiculously expensive to advertise on that. Now, Brother Byron, what if I told you that I got you a billboard and it's got all the advertising for your business on it? This thing is the cat's meow. I mean, it's loaded. It's whatever fancy car you think times two, right? This thing is sweet and it's free. Do you want to advertise on it? No strings attached, man. I mean, I'm going to give you 30 days free of charge. This thing is sweet. We draw it up and you fall in love with it, right? Are you down? He says he's down. So I get it all put together, right? Is there any way in the world, like, you go out and you look at it for the first time and you say, ooh-wee, that's nice. You see that? You'd be, like, Facebooking. You'd be Facebooking live and, like, you guys got to see this billboard, right? But would any one of us, and would you, sir, after that moment, go and put a big old sheet over it? Cover it up? Seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Does that seem ridiculous? That seems ridiculous to me. So you're telling me I paid for it and I gave it to you and now you're covering it up. Y'all see where I'm going with that? That's the buckethead mentality, right? That's a sweet little show and tell. This is not totally what it's for. I thought about cutting eyes out of this bad boy at one point and trying to see what that would look like. My smells really bad in there too, by the way. Probably should got a cleaner bucket. But that's ridiculous, right? But we listen to the lies of the enemy and puts, he puts stuff in front of our face and lulls us to sleep to not do the work and to think we're not even qualified to do it. And it's all a lie and a trick of the enemy. Because we've already established by the word of God today that all of us in this building are called to it. Not one of us escapes. You see, I'm a pastor, but I don't get escaped just because I have a calling as a pastor to, that this isn't my calling as well. My calling is to the ministry of reconciliation just like all of yours. And while I'm doing it, I get to be a pastor and do some really cool things along the way. But we, we wouldn't dare put this on our heads and walk around in real life, would we? Anybody want to come up and try it on real quick? Not one person, especially after the smell concept, right? This is where it gets a little scary, though. Who here says, uh, Jim, I don't, I'm not good at that. Like, I just don't feel like I'm good at that. demonstrating good works. By the way, demonstrating good works isn't always about talking. It's not always about what you say. Sometimes it's about how you act. Sometimes it's about what you do when you see somebody needs help and you help them. That sounds like good work to me. But don't be surprised if there aren't times when God says, you feel that little nudge inside of you, and you all know what I'm talking about, to say something. See, I grew up in a mentality, and there used to be this great quote, and I don't remember who it's by, but it, it basically kind of just says, you know, show the love of God, and if, you know, if necessary, then use words. It was make, making this premise that most of the love that we show isn't really done through words. But I took that. <laughs> I didn't say anything to anybody. Look at me, shining my light. And then the Holy Spirit say, say something. And I'll be like, no, because I'm shining my light this way. You say something, and I'll get behind you, Jesus. No, he wants you to be the conduit. He called you to be the conduit. Let me flow through you. So I need a volunteer this morning. 
Anybody like that in the room? You just say, hey, I'm not sure if I'm good at that, what you're talking about right now. Anybody in the room relate to that? Like, nobody. Jim is all by himself. Not one person. I need one volunteer. Come on. These people are getting hungry. All right, my brother, come on up here. Bless you. Let's give him a hand this morning. God love him because he doesn't know what he's about to do. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not scary. I need you to do something, all right? So let's just, yeah. And you look good this morning. What size are those sneakers? Ten. Praise God. That's my size, brother, just so you know, all right? All right. Okay. All right. That's a bucket. Do you believe me? It is, right? There's nothing about it. I need you to do something, but I need you to listen to all these instructions real quick before we get started, all right? Just so we do this right. We don't mess it up. All right, so what you're going to do is you're going to pick that bucket up. But you're going to pick that bucket up kind of like this, right? Just, just for the sake of keeping us on the same page, we'll keep that big spouty-looking thing there. Is that what you call that, the spout? We'll keep it pointed toward the congregation, all right? Then all I want you to do is, sorry, I just want you to turn that bucket. Bring it back down. Set it down. All right? Can you do that? Do you need me to guide you through it? I mean, it's not super. Maybe I will, though. I'll just coach you so we do it together. All right? You ready? You guys ready? All right. All right. So grab hold of that bucket. Spouty thing pointing toward them. Yep. Spin it toward you. Yep. No, no, no. Yep. Oh, sorry. Like that. Yep. You got it? Yep. Keep going. Keep going. Yep, and look in there. Now don't, that, okay, got it? All right, put it back down. Stop giggling. Okay, yeah. All right, spin it back down and set it down. Woo! Why are you giggling, man? Okay, don't say anything. Don't say anything. All right, just stay. One more volunteer, one more. We're, getting, we're gonna get out of here. We're getting ready to go home. One more volunteer so we can go home. All right, right there. I saw your hand. Don't tell her she's going to regret this. Don't, don't you dare. Mm-mm. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. What's your name again? Maya. Thank you so much for coming up. You stand right over here, Maya. Do you remember the instructions? Pick the bucket up. Spouty thing. Is that what it's called? I don't know. Toward the people. You're going to rotate it towards you. You're going to look in there really good. And set it back down. Ready? All right. Pick it up. Yep. Spouty thing, look inside there. Okay. <laughs> Giggle, all right. All right, let's give him a hand. All right, you guys can go sit back down. No, wait, I, I changed my mind. Come back here. Don't go, don't go sit down. Yeah, we're going to just let these people go home. Amen. Isn't God good? Yeah, God's good. You guys ready to pray and go home? Don't you want to know what was in the bucket? Y'all like where, yeah, let's go home. I don't even care what's in the bucket. <laughs> There's a bucket of chicken at Lee's waiting on me, man. You're all terrible. Uh, so, who wants to go first? You want to go first? That's a cool bucket, wasn't it? <laughs> all right. So when you, when you took the bucket and you flipped it open, what did you see? Myself. That's weird. Saw himself. It's a bucket. What do you see? Myself. Hold on a minute. You follow the instructions, right? Pick up the bucket, spouty thing, or whatever it's called, towards the people, rotate it inside, look in there. Oh, I see what you saw. Do you guys want to see what they saw? They saw themselves. Because probably if we're honest, I'm guilty of that, being a bucket head. But listen, the illustration wasn't to call anybody out. And I know it was a lame, super lame bucket thing. But to get your attention, God is releasing 
momentum in our church for the ministry of reconciliation. And that's probably why the Holy Spirit is saying, park there for a little bit, pastors. Keep saying the same thing. And I want to reiterate to you before we go home today is that if you're doing these things and you're doing them well, and as we read, thank you guys, you can sit down. As we read in the scripture in Hebrews, if you're doing that, then help us. If you do that well, then help the ones that maybe don't do it well. Amen? Let's all stand this morning. Mm, thank you, Jesus. You know, the other trick of the enemy is when it comes to stuff like this, he wants to think that you're all by yourself. And I want to quickly emphasize the importance of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to run through these scriptures, and I promise you it won't take more than three minutes. But the Holy Spirit is so important that we listen and obey to what he's saying and telling us to do. And my wife and I talked about this the other day. It's so easy to get caught up in just going to work and we go get groceries and we go and we do this. But the thing is that we need to hear inside of that is that we're always going somewhere. We're going home to make supper. We're going to Myers to get groceries. But if we have an intentionality about the ministry that God's called you to do, did you ever bother to ask him why? And when you get there, do you ever say, here I am? Here I am. When you walk through the door, is there anything you want to do? And maybe he says, yeah, get some broccoli. You need it for supper. But maybe he says, go to aisle. There's a lady there that needs you. First Chronicles 28, 20 says, then David continued. So David's talking about the building of the tabernacle, right? In this place. And he's encouraging Solomon. But he says, be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. And he will not fail you, forsake you. And he will see the work all the way through the end that the temple be established in the name of the Lord and that it be finished correctly. Romans 8.11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in each one of you. I'm going to read that one again. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you lives inside of you. And lastly, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were doing it to the Lord rather than for people. And isn't that what we're doing? We have this relationship with the Lord and out of that relationship is burst the heart of God through you to people through the ministry of reconciliation. Father God, I thank you for this word this morning. Let every word be established by your word. And anything that's not by that word, God, let it fall to the wayside this morning. But God, would you ride through this place and ride through our hearts with the fresh spirit of revelation, God, that we have a ministry and a work to do. And that if we're not doing it, God, then the things that we're doing are dead. That's what your word declares. So God, stir us up this morning. Stir me up this morning to understand that this is a sacrifice and it's work. And work takes effort that's birthed from the energy that we get when we spend time with you, Jesus. And I look upon these people right now, God, and I declare that they're strong. I declare that they're able to do the work that you've called them to do. And I thank you that not one thing that the enemy tries to say or do cancels the assignment that you've called them to. So God, right now, over every person in this room, God, I pray for divine appointments. And I thank you, Lord, that these people have eyes to see them and ears to hear what you're saying, Holy Spirit, when they encounter these divine moments. May our ears be so tuned that we hear when it says, buy that person groceries. 
Tell them I love them. Help them out to their car. Mow their yard. Bake them cookies. Whatever it is, God, may we have the ears to hear it this morning. That in the end, you would get glory and honor from everything that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. One last thing before you leave this morning. Everybody, it's my funnest part. I want you to put your hands on your hips if you can, if you're not holding the baby, anything like that. Now, 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 listen. No, 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 no. You don't just put your hands on your hips. I want you to put your hands on your hips like you're a superhero. You know, come on, Superman. I'm Superman. Look at me right now with the biggest smile and the most understanding and say, I'm a reconciler. My message has come back to God. And you're the message. That's why they saw themselves in the mirror. Not because they were bucket heads, because they're the message. You thought it was all about putting that bucket on your head. It's remembering that you guys are the conduit that God wants to use in this world. Amen. We love you. If you need prayer this morning, or if you decided all of a sudden, I want to be baptized. This water is still warm. You can thank me for that. <laughs> I don't really take credit. All I did was throw a heater in there. If you need prayer this morning, though, in all reality, please come up here. We're going to have some people around this stage who will be willing to pray for you. If you do want to be baptized, come up. We'll baptize you. we got clothes and towels back there. We'll help you do whatever you need to do. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you on Wednesday night for Compel.